0: Backroom politics.
3: And good afternoon out there on radio land. It's Tuesday, which means it's the best political talk you've never heard. It is backroom politics live on the Club Radio, as we're back at our home base here at the National Club here in downtown Washington D.C. Joining me as they do every Tuesday, to my former Undersecretary of Commerce, who served at last count for presidents, he is the former long-time Senate staff and Washington Insider. He is the man that we know as the Honorable Alan Moore. Hello, Alan. Hey,
4: Justin.
3: And here at the US Club, he is the retired one-star admiral from your United States Navy. He is the man we know by, uh, like that we know as Mr. Eileen Carradine. <laughs> he is Admiral <African laughs> Carradine. How are you doing, Ed? Congratulations to you and Eileen. We'll be here shortly. Joining us from the West Coast, it's almost like we swap spots. He is the former Joe Biden political lawyer. He is a long-time good guy. He is Dan Lipner, Esquire. Hello, Daniel. Greetings from the West Coast, I guess. Yes. Hello, Justin. How is the How is the sun? How is the weather? iron? Beautiful. California. It was actually
5: very sunny for the last few days, and now it's nice and overcast. You know, I just came up with a phrase. The uh, the coldest winter I ever spent was a summer
3: in San Francisco. I just came up with that.
4: I'm sure you did. Just like
3: priming pump, right, Dan? Yep, I came up with that one, too. (laughs) Well, obviously, segue, Dan. Obviously, we have a lot to talk about. There is a lot of going on here in Washington, D.C. Capitol. Obviously, we're going to start with the big talk today that's been going on for the past 24 hours. all started with a Washington Post article that came out that basically states that during a meeting in which, by the way, it should be noted, that only Russian media was invited to the Oval Office with the Russian ambassador and the Russian, was the Russian foreign minister. During this meeting, uh, Russian media only invited President
2: Trump – we should correct that. Okay, but uh, President
3: Trump uh,
0: – I should mention that. Who, whose phone was that? Oh, that was Alex. Hebson. Oh, just updating.
4: So oh, it sorry. is. Oh, okay.
3: <laughs> we should note that uh, it was – President Trump has allegedly disclosed, uh, has allegedly disclosed information during that meeting. To the um, uh, to the Russian diplomat. As such, uh, it has since come out today in the Times article that the source of was in fact Israel, which calls into so many problems, so many questions from this. But our in-house resident fact checker wants to. this. Alan, check this.
2: So, first first point is this. In the last meeting. My understanding of what happened at the White House meeting was there were was a photographers who were a government photographer who happened also, unbeknownst to us apparently, wear the hat of the government-run news agency. So a two-headed photographer through some screw-up on our part, their part, immediately sent photo of those, this meeting that our expectation, the U.S. government side, not not intended to go, what? We let the so in and not our
3: So there's actually reports on that, because I actually heard reports from... Uh, at that they had... That Putin... Or, I'm sorry, that the Minister... ...Travel Minister Levrov... Travels, Foreign Minister Levrov with two photographers. There is one that is an employee of the foreign ministry and then there is one that is a poor photographer. In this case, it was possessed. The president or anything from the comms office never went in and said, oh, maybe we should include our own media just to balance it
2: is the way I've got so So, to say was the. There's a question about whether we let Russian press in and intentionally excluded the U.S. press. I don't think it went down that way. That was the result. And then our, our, for some reason, our White House, notwithstanding the fact that there were all these the photos up on Russian news TV, not to release, the White House photographs that also existed that were taken. Um, but that, that's not the big – I mean the, the, the bigger
3: part of this is the fact that during that meeting with Fort Levrov and the Russian ambassador to Washington, the president knowingly disclosed classified not just classified information but from all indications top secret information to Russian diplomats and
2: no that's the bigger that's well, the bigger story. I didn't want to get into the weeds on this, but you introduced it by saying we let their press in, we kept ours out, and there's there's some dispute over that back part of the story. You, you when you also said, I think you're being charitable when you say the president knowingly gave this information. the The whole narrative here is that this president, poorly trained, undisciplined, and not necessarily aware of the importance. Of compartmentalizing there's, and keeping There are so many problems with that. Kept, kept stuff out. I, uh, that is not an excuse. It's no. scary, it is scary as hell. You are shaking your head.
1: I, I'm shaking my head because, one, not knowing is no excuse. There's not an officer in the
4: president's
1: uh, chain of command that would be able to plead ignorance and walk away from this unscathed. This is ridiculous. The president of the United States, for whatever reason, has a penchant for Russia. He basically called these guys in, and I, I honestly – I really don't think he thought any further than the fact that maybe if I you know, show them how really cool I am, they'll um, – is the, one of the theirs. is one of theirs. And, and it's, it's insane. It's ridiculous. Indeed. It's immature. I don't think he's in league with the Russians. I think that this is about his own personal hubris, and is the second or third time this week that he's
3: done – within the last seven days – He's done something like this, Dan. From a Democratic perspective, because I want to get into, I do want to get some into the details on this because there's a lot of concern inside the GOP right now. But Dan, I'll go to you on this. When when Admiral Ken talks about a penchant or a pension for Russia, does this start really smelling of financial ties and compromise, Dan? Did we lose
4: Dan thought <laughs> We've stumped him. Nope, we've here stumped I am. Sorry him. about that. I'm, I'm here. Uh,
5: Can you man, hear me? Dan
3: Litter. live radio show. Just wanted to so, let you know.
5: Yeah, so the issues there are, are twofold, or are maybe more than twofold. So one of which is the social relationships that it appears to be a lesser relationship of what Trump's investments might be in Russia than what Russia's investments might be in Trump for all the various different properties around the United States. As far as the actual disclosure of the information, I mean, the irony of the Hillary Clinton emails and the security issues there, and now the President of the United States disclosed information to the Russians that hasn't been disclosed to other American allies is kind of amazing. With the added bonus of in this White House, nobody apparently had the gravitas during the meeting to maybe – steer the president away from this conversation, assuming that Allen is correct, that this president doesn't know what he should be sharing, that you would hope that a senior advisor could chime in during the meeting and suggest, Mr. President, could I have a moment before we continue this discussion? There seems to be nobody who can do that.
3: Well, that's a part of it is because included in this meeting was, in fact, the Secretary, Secretary of State, Rex Tillerson, in this meeting at the law
4: uh, this
3: is not that Rex Tillerson National and your, parties, was well McManus, that's, that's, was his Yeah, the, that's the, the, the really scary part of this is that General
4: McMaster,
3: McMaster. or McMaster. I'm sorry, I get them confused. McMaster. McMaster that the National Security Advisor General McMaster and his deputy in there would not just kind of raise a finger and like finger cross the neck, you know. Cut that. Uh, but but here's the bigger problem is. If this is Because really when this came out I thought wait a minute you know what This is slipping on a banana peel This is an amateur president with an Amateur staff this is just The president slipping on a banana peel. And, and that, what I, The more And more we dive into this the more And more it realizes Admiral well, Ken That this is actually information That one could compromise Our relationship with Tel Aviv, and the Israeli Moussa, um, the Israeli intelligence service, and our intelligence community. I'm telling you, this people killed That
1: That's exactly right. And the bigger problem here seems to be that there does not seem to be someone in the White House who's got the uh, the, uh, the organizational courage to basically step up to the boss and say, hey, you're, you're about to screw up here. Everybody's about getting fired and getting their jobs. And there does not seem to be anyone, not only with the gravitas, but with the curse, basically almost the president out and stop doing this, stop doing these things. You're doing more harm than good. And to not and not to be, be to the point, this is the kind of intelligence club that
3: gets people killed. It gets people killed. And, 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 and the Republicans are starting to fall away from giving overhead coverage on the Hill for this president on this issue in particular. Uh, this morning. Uh, Senator Corker came out and said that this is
2: an administration
3: in a, in, the in a
2: downward spiral, rather, yep. correct?
3: Uh, and he is one of the biggest heroes for this president, this administration. Should that worry the folks at 1600?
2: Well, there's be a worry at 1600. That is not among the warriors. He is so, and so unprepared to deal with information that he that can affect lives, at least in this particular instance, this be the problem. Now, I don't know if it's Israel or not. Everybody assumed when they heard this, oh, that must be Israel, which made me think, it may not be Israel. They're not our only ally there it with chemicals. Des- it ISIS. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I agree. No. But before we just talk that way, as though it's us versus Tel Aviv, I just want to remind us that there's things we don't know. That's quite correct. And the president did not invite Lavrov in. He agreed a week earlier to Putin yeah, I'll see Lavrov. That's not critically important. But in a world where there's fake news, Loose, uh, loose facts. It's important to try to to, no, to, to talk and, and, exactly and, 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 and about what Absolutely, agree. we take pride there, in that. And there's there. going to talk the other hand, sitting there shaking their heads, losing faith that this guy who got self elected might learn on the job because it is such an awesome responsibility and. He doesn't seem to be getting it. He seems to double down again and again, And
4: every
2: a massive mistake, we haven't even talked about the firing of Comey, is followed by something. Oh, there's some. We're going to talk, just, about, and that we're going to talk about this. It that becomes bigger because this could, in fact, be an indication of future disclosures he might make with his lack of discipline, his lack of instinctive. Uh, uh, care, and whatever happens on this one, we don't know, but what's the next one? He's about to go off to Saudi Arabia and Israel, and what screw-ups is he got to have there? They just had a screw-up
3: screw today, where, where, where we heard the press secretary, who, by the way, went into a camera-free press briefing today, where Sean Spicer, the president's press secretary, went into the camera's room and said that absolutely uh the western wall is absolutely Jerusalem which is a source of contention that you don't bring up a week before my is Ken ever Ken, this is a situation twofold number one is this incompetence or is this arrogance on the part of White House senior staff I, I,
1: I I'm going the line at calling it either on the part of White House I think senior staff is scrambling. They've been grammy since day one. The president says something, then he has to unsay it. They tried to basically try and find a way to, to soften the bow or to try and go back and say what he, really mean, what he really meant was this. The bottom line is this. The president, the president number one, the president does have the right to disclose, Which is correct. disclose classified information. Just like I've got the right to spank and scold my kid in public doesn't mean I should. I guess the point that they're making here is that this White House is the is is if it's in disarray, if it's if it's in chaos, it's because leadership starts at the top. But does the fuck
3: really stop
2: Donald Trump in this? Incident? Yes, absolutely. it does. absolutely. absolutely. There, there. You can't blame staff, notwithstanding the fact that staff is an all and, is dealing with the only that there may be a total, general general change. General, general change Talk about that. General also.
1: McMaster's comment yesterday evening was uh, I, I, I was embarrassed. Be a, a fellow flagger general officer with that. So it's just like, hey, Justin, how are you doing? Well, I didn't. Speak, and I didn't drive somebody else's car. You know, I had lunch. I, the had the lunch day. Day. I, I had lunch
3: today with a. I had lunch day with a former senior administration official the Obama administration. Many were talking about to stay on as a whole. And when approached, it took them two seconds to say, "There's no way, no way." And, and I'm hearing that a lot. From people that were apparently going to be holdovers that literally just pulled the plug and say, you know, what? I'm good, I'm going to go sail. I'm going to go, I'm going to go go see Grand Tetons. Well, what's happening here is people like McMaster, people like Sean Spicer,
1: uh, fellow, fellow Navy Navy officer. These guys are getting slimed by this. And what's going to be interesting is whether they're going to be able to recover on the back so end. So
3: here's the big question, and, and Dan Lipner, here's my kind. I want to get your take on this. The Democrats. Is this an opportunity for the Democrats to capitalize on without looking like total a-holes and gloat too much? Can the Democrats figure out and balance that?
5: Well, being a Democrat, it's hard to say that we, we, we can't mess up a good thing. However, <laughs> it's worth noting that I can now run down a litany of Republicans that are – that are speaking up both in the House and the Senate that are having more than just heartburn over the actions of this president, including with the firing of Comey and then added to with all the issues with Russia and other issues within the federal government that this White House seems unable to control or just not look like they're outright stooges working on the behalf of whatever industries happen to have come to the table uh, and supported them. So, this is going to hurt Republicans in a larger sense. So, this is one of those things, you know, if somebody's doing damage to themselves, let them keep doing it. The only question is the cost is the actual country. And a handful of Republicans handful have begun to publicly speak out, seeing that, you know, country is an issue that needs to be discussed. And I, I'm hoping more come to the table because these issues are too big and too important. The left to guess the partisanship of political politics.
3: Is, is, is this, Dan Littner, a question of uh, – does do the Democrats use the – I mean, because it's literally become like an avalanche of daily mess-ups. Is this a matter of the Democrats just prioritize what they want to go into the midterms with, or is Nancy Pelosi really measuring curtains now?
5: Uh, well, Nancy Pelosi is not, certainly not measuring curtains. And the idea that these are going to be the issues that we are talking about a year from now, that's fool's bold. Um, just making sure it, it registers with the American public is the key step here. And the narrative that I suspect is not going to go away anytime in the near future that this is the White House that can't shoot straight that's going to keep going. And getting that narrative locked in. Uh, it's not going to take a whole lot of work to make that true between what the White House is actually doing and Saturday Night Live. It's just going to become the simple tone of this White House. So making sure not to overplay the hand and seeming unpatriotic in the process is what Democrats need to be aware of. But this White House doesn't look like it's getting better
4: anytime soon.
2: Okay, Alan Moore. Yeah, I think Dan covered the territory. Overplaying the hand is something they got to be careful of. But but either political party has shown a long history of being able to screw things up, to screw up a winning hand. <laughs> and you know what we've got here is is this is this amazing abundance of targets to uh, to criticize uh, the president over and his staff. These are all these are all, shall we say, five stars. Again. Some are two star, three star, four star, and a couple occasional five stars, let's say. And the Democrats run the risk of treating them all as though they're national disasters and overplaying the hand. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, in, in my my own way of thinking, is the threat relating to a replacement for uh, the for Director Comey, where the the Democrats in the Senate are now saying we won't. Vote for anyone unless there's a special. And well, let me.
3: We're going, to, we're going to talk about that, but it it, it it does call into question, though, Alan Moore, that it, it is a, it is a very thin line, which I never thought I'd see in an, an administration, let alone a modern day presidential uh, administration. The line between uh, novice and total incompetence is very thin.
2: At in the Trump administration right now Can they recover from this Well it it goes back To what Ken said it all starts at the top The staff can adapt these, these people don't have The breadth of experience That one might have liked But they're not idiots they're not inexperienced But they can't go beyond What their boss allows them to do And it's very hard I mean even in a meeting With Lavrov the president says Oh, I get great intelligence. I got some in, some information that came out of such and such city, which was sort of the key the key piece that says it's hard once the cat's out of the bag to then say, "Whoa, Mr. President, hang on, hold on here," or make a move or, or, or uh, to, to <laughs> fingers across the throat, whatever. Um, probably it was already out, and but it, it, there. But huge limits, and it's the president of the United States talking to the foreign minister of Russia and a couple, of, and, and the ambassador, and a couple of others. It's a little awkward to butt in, as any of us staff people know. When your boss is, is is digging a hole, do your best to try to divert, but it's not always within uh, your ability. Well, and, and President Trump doesn't seem to be the guy who likes that advocate, intervention very much. Admiral Kennedy, here's my concern is not only are we burning
3: through and burning the bridges between us and the Mossad and MI6, us and other allied intelligence organizations that we've had close relationships dating back to human intelligence beginning. But there's also now a compromise between the trust between our own intelligence community here inside the U S and the white house to the point where, talking with somebody who's familiar with the daily briefing protocols in the intelligence community, the intelligence community doesn't feed the president the whole picture to the point where the daily briefing now has a new quote-unquote call sign. They call it the coloring book. They literally put down a book of just random facts in front of the president and the only thing is missing is color crayons for him to connect the dots, play tic-tac. It's like a Pizza Hut
1: menu. And the danger with that, and the danger with that, and, and this is going to be prevalent in everyone's memory. So a few years ago, we uh, we erected artificial walls between FBI and CIA and uh, and other government agencies. So much so that we never saw 9/11 coming. Now it's worse in that. The, the, the intelligence community is, is starting to take on the attitude that we can't trust this guy with stuff. Well, this guy, unfortunately, is in the position to basically make the kind of decisions that are necessary to keep us all safe. So now we've got an intelligence community where we've taken down the walls, where we've basically figured out how to fuse this information and to, to, for, the greater, for the greater good of the country, and yet we're afraid to put it in the hands of, of the one person who's supposed to be stable and mature, pick a nap uh, use i use it the right way. And that's bad.
3: It's real Dan Linder, I mean, it, uh, Dan Leibner, I want to go to you with Alan Morley, really. from a Democratic perspective. It, I mean, are, are we going over the top by saying that the president may be in over his head, or do we give him another 100 days grace period to truly try and right this ship?
5: I mean, it's not a matter of whether or not we want to or not. Uh, The fact of the matter is most true-thinking, engaged, responsible folks in Washington, and this is a bipartisan statement, have issues with how this president is handling things. And, you know, I think I just came up with another original one. He should probably get a plaque on his desk to remind him that the buck stops here. I just came up with that one.
4: (laughs) (laughs)
3: Alan, I want to ask you the same question. You know, at what point do we sit there and say the president's in over his head, or do we say, look, novice president, give him another 100 days, big learning curve?
2: No, you don't. There's no magic of the first 100, the next 100, whatever. Everyone knew he was in over his head. The question is whether he's going to learn to swim, whether he's going to start figuring stuff out. Um. Reign in some of his personal tendencies, rely on people around him, um, inf- allow some discipline to uh, to grow and be nurtured, or simply to say, I don't need that. I don't need all the briefing books. I'm very smart. I can figure this stuff out. It's not another hundred days. It's, it's a day at a time. It's You get through another day. When, you know, we talk about the relationship with with who whichever country maybe perhaps Israel, maybe likely Israel, that provided this latest information to their horror. Now he's going to be in Israel within a week. Um, but, but it, and I'm not myself convinced it's Israel. I have my own guess as to what country, but it doesn't matter. The fact is it was a violation of an understanding among intelligence services So if you're Germany or if you're Britain or if you're another U.S. ally anywhere around the world, Japan, you say, oh, my God, you know, we are providing a lot of information to the U.S. government with this clear understanding that's not been violated. I don't want the United—the American president to take this information that we, Japan, might have about Korea or China— um, or that Germany might have vis-a-vis Russia. It, it could be anything. It has a chilling effect on relationships that have been built up over decades of trust and confidence. We need to have those relationships. People need to trust them. And when the president messes up, we can, there, there's a horror, horrified response here in America. But Rightfully so. But there's this hidden fear around the world that cannot say, oh, yeah, don't worry. Trust them. Send. Give them everything we've got. They'll be they'll be good partners. Uh, uh, Go ahead, Admiral.
1: I'm 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 uh, I was one of the the Republicans that that uh, that did not vote for President Trump. But when he was elected, I said, you know what? This is the will of the American people to give this guy a shot. Um, I am going to be supportive of him, and I'm going to look for – I'm going to mine for the good and not, uh, uh, and not promulgate or celebrate the bad. I'm done. I'll, I'll step out and I'll say it. I, I don't think this guy's got it. I think that if, if, uh, if, 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 if he does not get himself impeached in the next year or so, it'll be by a miracle.
3: Well, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I, – I will tell you right now, I don't think impeachment's an option. This country – cannot handle uh, i didn't impeach oh no i don't get me wrong and i made the comment last Let's be night clear i, about I that. made the
1: comment last yeah. night and i said this is not something our country needs no. it is the last no. thing this country needs but the unfortunate truth the- of the matter is the unfortunate truth of the matter is president trump without fail is is, is 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 going about things in a manner that is going to create a situation where that may be the only option
3: understood but dan littner do the democrats understand because there's some democrats uh, that are, particularly on the far left, that's Maxine to, Waters. Maxine Waters is the, is the cheerleader on that, who will around going impeach, impeach, impeach. Does she and others on the far left of the party understand that this is not good for the country and they got to tone down that rhetoric? Um, well, Maxine
5: Waters' uh, audience is Maxine Waters' followers and the people who hate her. She doesn't really have much of an audience. Beyond uh, the extremes, and so the average Americans don't know who Maxine Waters is and don't really care.
3: Unless you watch, as unless you watch, as, Dan, unless you watch, let's say MSNBC on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays where she's on all the time.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, my God.
5: No, what I'm, what I'm saying is, as far as her rhetoric actually swaying anyone's opinion, it, oh,
4: it doesn't.
5: I'm, it doesn't. It doesn't move a needle anywhere. So. That said, it depends how you define what the country needs and what the country can stand. And it's also worth noting there are a few ways to remove the president. Impeachment's not the only one, resignation is one of them, and not to mention the cabinet could act as well. So the most interesting fly on the wall base in Washington is probably the close advisors to Mike Pence. And his close aides that have been with him since he was a congressman and before, and what they're saying to each other as far as positioning the VP with all of this chaos going on. I mean, I my guess is it would be similar to the Ford advisors during Nixon, since they have to still both show loyalty to the president, but also put the country first. It must be the most awkward position in the world for the vice president and his staff.
3: Right. All right. Well, listen, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to continue this dialogue because we're going to bring up the backlash of the firing of James, White, which happened while we were on the air literally last week for the last 10 minutes of the show. But live from the National Press Club, this is the best political talk show you've ever heard of. It's Back Politics on Blog Talk Radio. Stay with us. We'll be back in three minutes. <laughs> the National Press Club, our home here in Washington, D.C. I'm joined by Admiral Ken Carradine, the Honorable Alan Moore, and somewhere out in the ethosphere of the Bay Area of San Francisco, Dan Littner. We lost Dan during the break, but hopefully Dan will call back in. Uh, but that being said, we're going to talk about, in case you missed it, last week's show, while we were on the air... Uh, breaking news happened: the president fires the FBI director, now former FBI director James Comey. And oh, looks like we got Dan Lipner, Esquire, back on the line. Welcome back, Dan. We missed you. Thank you. you. <laughs> uh, James Comey gets fired by the president in a stunning announcement that was. Oh, we lost Dan again. So, in in a, in a stunning, stunning turn of events that nobody apparently nobody saw coming, which was surprising. So many aspects to this story. Let's start with the optics of it. i got to tell you something. Alan Moore, the way the White House handled this was piss poor. The story is that uh, the story is, according to sources I talked to in the FBI, Uh, Director Comey was out in Los Angeles talking to a recruiting effort, uh, and other field agents out of the Los Angeles field office. They then, uh, as he was talking, a couple of TV screens showed up with uh, President Fires FBI Director Comey. Pres- Director Comey then looks and says, "Wow, that's pretty funny joke, guys. I, I give you A for creativity." At which time, his aide steps up to the podium and says, "Mr. Director, we have to leave like now." Comey flew out on a government aircraft, and the story is, is that the government aircraft was immediately reverted back to D.C. without Comey, leaving Comey stranded out there in L.A. by himself and some key staff. That Number one, that's just poor optics. Number two, the optics of the blame game of was it, in fact, the recommendation of the deputy attorney general to the attorney general and then the president accepting it, or was this the president's mantra all along? There are so many nuances on just optics of this, Alan Moore. How is the president going to be able to straighten the line out on just the optics of this without getting into the, the deep stuff that we'll get into in a few seconds?
4: Yeah. Well,
2: First of all, he did fly back on the government plane. I don't know if it was the same plane or not, but but that's really beside the point. Like before, um, when you make a major decision in government or in in most enterprises, there's a there, there's the what you decide, and then there's how you execute it. Mm-hmm. The, the the what I think a lot of people would, would people would have to acknowledge and agree that the president has the power to replace an FBI director. It it there was speculation as to whether this might happen from the very beginning. And if 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 Hillary Clinton had been elected president, there would have been speculation on whether she would have kept Comey, given all of the trashing of Comey that went on during the campaign. So, so that, that the whether to let the man go is one thing. He has the power to do that. How you do it, when you do it. Who you talk to? What kind of a plan you lay out? What kind of talking points? Who you, to
4: you use, tell inside kind of, your senior What staff. kind of
2: allies you you have? You know something? It it you you want a fairly large group. They're worried about leaks. You know something? If this leaks out, it's not the worst thing. It's much better that it leak out and be perceived as a leak rather than be executed in a completely inept and incompetent way that reflects badly on. Everybody, starting with the president, um, who kept stepping on it as it went by, as as, as as the days went by, and completely setting up for disaster and failure and already beleaguered communications staff. And then inside the White House, you get different reports from different people, I agreed with it, but didn't want to do it this way, didn't want to do it now. It was just a horrendous mess. Of how this went down, and it didn't have to be that way. Dan
3: Lipner, here's the funny. Here's the funny part about it is, I, and 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 this, if it wasn't disturbing, it would be funny. But here's here's the funny thing, the night James Comey was fired by the president last Tuesday, uh, Stephen Colbert on his late show, obviously no fan of Trump, announced that the president fired James Comey, at which time the entire audience who is not filled with Republicans largely, erupts into cheers and everything. The look of stun on Stephen Colbert's face is going, no, I'm not sure you want this to be good. He's investigating Russia. How does the president go and fire the guy who literally hand-carried the presidency to him and then fire him in such a botched manner?
5: Well, I'm not comfortable saying the hand delivered the presidency to Trump. Thank
1: um, you, Dan. So I, I don't like
5: the He, correct he most certainly. He, he most. I I'm comfortable saying he may have assisted, but hand delivering is a bit excessive. Um, but as far as the Colbert audience cheering, that goes to the point that rhetoric matters, and over the top language from either side affects public opinion, especially for. People who don't live and breathe politics and policy and know how this stuff counts and where it matters and where it doesn't. So obviously Comey is not well regarded by anyone at the moment, but the exceptions being uh, most notably his deputy speaking on behalf of the FBI uh, after Comey's dismissal saying Comey was well thought of and well regarded within most, if not all, divisions in the FBI, and respected as, as their leader. Uh, I believe that was McCabe that said that when he testified before Congress, and even the Deputy Attorney General, I have Rosenstein, I believe. Please correct me if I got his name wrong. That said that you know while he came up with these reasons for dismissal, he most certainly did not want the full weight of it thrown on his
1: shoulders as the White House had initially attend, intended to do. Admiral Ken. So the reason I was smiling when, when Alan was speaking um, when you asked the question how do you do this so you draw a line to understand this you draw a line to understand this On one side you've got people like Alan and you and me and Dan that have worked in a professional environment where you you think well, that's you think arguable you think about you think about how you basically uh, conduct employee action and the second and third order effects. Of what that's going to do to the organization while you backfill that person you, that's that's what a professional does right on the other hand you take a reality TV star whose mantra is you're fired who doesn't worry about the second and third effect and that's how you understand how this happened that's it it's easy you know it's, it's that easy
3: yeah, but, but the, 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 not just the optics I mean the op, how about the optics of you do this the day before? and the Russian ambassador into the Oval Office.
1: Again, to understand, in, 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 in a professional who does this understands the optics, the second and third effects of the employee action. Where's
3: where where Reince Priebus in this when he says, boss, we really shouldn't do that. We've got the Russians coming tomorrow. Well, the, the I believe the, the Bushes should hold more than, more than one person. Wait, oh, Hold on. What was that, Dan?
5: I said I believe the Bushes in the White House can hold more than yeah. one person.
3: The bush in the wind. okay, very good. Right, we'll come back to that. So, so it,
2: it it it's not it's not those two things per se that are so critical. It's that and everything else that's critical. As uh, as Ken said, you have to think about the entire enterprise. Do you want to send a signal that you are So dismissive of this guy who's devoted years of his life to this job and other jobs in public service that you don't even have the decency to have the chief of staff call him and say, Jim, I'm sorry, we're going to need your resignation, we're going to need to let you go, we want to do this in the right way, help us uh, not make this a disaster for the FBI, you don't let him be in L.A. and hear about it on, on TV. You figure out what your talking points are that, make, that are truest to the facts and make the most sense. You strategize. You spend some hours, you spend some days sorting it out. You don't just do it in the moment. If, if the Russians were coming, weren't coming the next day, it was still a disaster. That just compounded the problem of, of, of optics. The president doesn't think about this stuff. The staff apparently wasn't given time to think about this. And, the, you know, the thing that made them look so idiotic was, the, was the, the initial narrative of why the firing was done, laying it all on the deputy attorney general, who apparently was so horrified and angered, he threatened to resign if it wasn't clarified, because apparently Monday, the day before this all went down, the president said, I'm going to fire him. What's the strongest case in terms of complaints from the inside? The president had lost confidence in the guy. The Democrats had been calling, many Democrats had been calling for his scalp. Republicans weren't totally in the tank for the guy. And suddenly he becomes a martyr, a hero. Um, the Democrat hypocrisy you, is amusing.
3: That's, that's, that's was, amusing. That's amusing. Part of this, Dan. How did Democrats literally take james comey from pariah to martyr in literally less than 12 hours
5: well i mean i was never one of those people so i I thought it was overstating the argument before and while i agreed with the criticism
3: dan Libner, did you just walk yourself back from the democratic house members and senate members
5: no, I've, I've been consistent on, on my opinions on Comey since the start of the, any of the Clinton email investigations and going way back to when he was the Deputy Attorney General under George W. Bush and his little standoff in Ashcroft's Hospital Room. I'm, I was a Comey fan. Uh, that doesn't mean I but agree does, with his judgment on some things, but I, I, I was a Comey fan. And I think it was irresponsible for some of the rhetoric from – from Democrats, to be angry about his choices, absolutely. But for some of the over-the-top rhetoric, there, there are consequences. And this is one of those consequences for irresponsible language, especially from senior House and Senate leadership. So this stuff matters in the long term. Words don't well, just disappear into thin air. They exist forever.
3: Dan Lipner, let me ask you a question while I got you on.
4: This
3: is We know that this is a president that watches the news... Cycle very closely every day Twice a day This is a president that we'll see On CNN, Fox, MSNBC Chuck Schumer Nancy Pelosi Steny Hoyer, etc. All those folks coming out And vilifying Vilifying the director Then director James Comey And then when they fire him The president is left stunned That they're coming out saying Oh my god this is a national crisis do the Democrats have some? Do, do, do the Democrats have some blame to hold here, as far as the national perception crisis going on, particularly when it comes to the Comey firing?
5: Possibly a little bit, but the bigger issue is that this president, and there is a portion of the American public. Let's be clear here that only see things in television language and sound bites. And when this president was talking about possibly canceling the daily White House briefing and then talking about because the ratings the networks are getting from the White House briefing, what are they going to do when they can't make money off the White House briefing? I don't even know where to begin with the president talking about that in in those kind of terms as though the issues and the news of the country coming from the White House isn't actually a substantive thing beyond what Jerry Springer ratings would be. So there is some responsibility there, but there is something larger than just the ebbs and flows of the casual observers of public opinion. That aren't always the people who pay attention to the ins and outs of government and what really matters. It,
3: it again, has. It almost seems that going off of what Dan's saying, that we in the media have some blame to hold, in creating a let into almost driving the hypocrisy home.
1: I, I, I don't. Uh, I don't think I agree with that. Why? Um, because the you know by and large. By and large, the job of the media should be to report the facts and to try and do so without a spin left or right. And We know that not all media is able to do that um, uh, very well.
3: Well, Let me me just separate one thing. As as much as we joke that we are media, we are are commentary. We are commentary. We are not reporting. One of the things that we will do is we will comment on breaking news, but – we are not driving this. Exactly we are right. not a news outlet. It's exactly right. And so, you know, the, the
1: issue isn't that the media is bad. The issue is that the information that they get from the White House is bad. On one hand, the president is saying um, he, lost confidence, he lost confidence in Comey and so had the FBI. On the other hand, the assistant uh, 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 director of the FBI is saying quite the opposite of that. So it's not so much that the media is, is, is creating the situation. The media basically is saying, hey, this is what happened, this is what went on. We all watched in great awe when Comey made the comments about uh, Secretary Clinton when she was running for president. We all watched in great awe when he basically went up to Capitol Hill a few weeks ago. The fact of the matter is, I think, quite frankly, the one my only comment, my only criticism of Director Comey is that he had more high-profile uh, appearances that I think than any other FBI director of, uh, before him, and I think quite
2: frankly, com- that yeah. that led that led. More than Although more than Web, more
3: than Webster more. Webster going in front of the cameras when he got fired for obvious reasons because he was dealing uh, narrow,
0: I think that led. I mean
3: that that,
1: that he, led, that's pretty that, high profile. That probably led a lot to him him being in the situation that that he got yeah. in because once you open that door, it's really hard to shut it. Um, and there there we are.
3: But, 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 I, I want to ask Yeah, if, if
1: I could just make one additional note. Uh, the, the
5: history yeah. of FBI directors being hated by the White House. Now, since uh, J. Edgar Hoover, who th- was problematic to challenging to many White Houses, which is why the 10 year term a- appeared after his death. But during the Clinton years, Louis. Uh, Clinton's appointee for FBI director after the fire of the previous FBI director was not well liked by the White House, in part because of many of the investigations that were going on. However, as far as my recollection goes, I never remember a conversation of, of Bill Clinton thinking about firing then Director Louis Free. So, this is a different thing that Donald Trump has done.
3: Well, Dan Dan Lipner, let me also go back and remind you: we never had an FBI director hold not just one but multiple press conferences and testify in front of an open congressional hearing about active about active investigations.
2: Let, let's acknowledge that point. Okay, go ahead, Alan Moore. I mean, yeah, let's acknowledge that, that some of Comey's problems were problems of his own making, and we can say he did what he did last July because the Attorney General Lynch had to recuse herself from the email stuff thanks to her, her uh, airplane meeting with Bill Clinton suddenly elevating uh, Director Comey, his big mistake, and this was – the, the, the letter from the deputy attorney general is, is, a, is a good read, um, even though it wasn't the reason that, uh, that he was let go. It did reflect the feelings of many former and current FBI folks about the mistakes that were made when he originally got up there and said, we're not going to pursue charges, but she was extremely careless with the handling of classified information and then went on at some length. And that made people a little nuts, including other people at Justice, mm-hmm. um, and, and and rightfully so. He he that that was the beginning of his undoing. And of course, when President Trump at the time said you know, they they were mostly critical of him for not bringing charges, even though there was this horrible damage done to her reputation by the 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 supplemental language that he used, which was. Unprecedented and extraordinary Then it set up a situation In October when he reopened The investigation Then he closed the investigation oh, and, and, and so there Alan were the the, the the hypocrisy Flying around just this One
3: HR action In the administration I mean you look at uh, The Democrats have turned him into a martyr And the, the GOP now vilifies him You look at the fact that uh, You know Lock her up, lock her up. We now see hashtags of lock him up, lock him up. I mean, it it is just, it has literally become a dizzying, it's like literally sitting on a -a Tilt-A-Whirl and then trying to drink a beer on said tilde world. The,
2: the you know the irony here is that if this had been handled by a group of professionals who thought it through, laid out a plan.
3: These are they, a group of professionals, Alan. These are the people a, who are running the
2: administration. No, no, no. no. I'm I'm saying that you. It starts at the top. Is way we keep going. That uh, supposedly a couple of people said, we don't dispute that that he needs to be fired, but not yet. And it's like, we're going to do it. Let's do it and he wouldn't hear he didn't he he wouldn't entertain a discussion or conversation about ways to do this that are will do the least political damage get pol- democrats behind you and treat him like a like, like humanely none of which was done yeah. all of which fed into a first narrative of why that he completely undid the next day in his television interview with Lester Holt when he not only said I was going to do this regardless, and when asked was the Russian investigation part of this issue for you, he said it was not the. He didn't lead with it. You got to be careful here, overstating his obstruction of justice, uh, or, or,
4: you know that argument,
2: because he said the guy was full of himself. He was headstrong. He was out of control. And in response to a question from Lester Holt, and how about the Russian thing? Was that an issue? Yeah, that was part of it. Well, right, well his, again, lack of discipline and sense of understanding, lack of preparation, that's not a place you want to go. All right, let's take a break here. Definitely yeah, not
3: the leave off. We're going to talk about that. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue this discussion. On the uh, the Russian question The backlash from Comey We've got a whole other hour of material to cover God, you'd think this would be a boring show This is Backroom Politics Live from the National Press Club In the heart of Washington, D.C. Just one block away From the Trump White House On Blog Talk Radio It is the best political talk show you've never heard of We'll be back in three minutes Stay with us <laughs> Somewhere. And we're back here to the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics, live from the National Press Club, one block away from your White House center of government. And joining us from the West Coast, he is Dan Lipner. Here in studio with me, we've got Admiral Ken Carradine and the Honorable Alan Moore. We're going to continue our discussion on the uh, backlash of the Comey firing. And oh, we just lost Dan Lipner again. And he will I'm sure he'll come back Let's continue this dialogue, though, because here's here's the big thing about this: is it's a situation of just if you look at the messaging problems that are coming out. We know that you know when uh, the Trump administration said that uh, Comey had lost all credibility with uh, with uh, the bureau field agents. We know that that is consistently not true. Talking to people in the FBI. I'd say about 80%. The number I keep hearing is 80%, 20%, 80% being in favor of COVID. Uh, you look at the, uh, the, the situation now in the communication versus the disclosure of uh, classified information to Russian diplomats. That message has now been botched, not just by communication staff, but now sucking in General McMaster, the National Security Advisor. Uh, is this just a messaging problem that needs to be fixed, or does there does the rumor of a possible shakeup, which would include Steve Bannon, Reince Priebus, clear everybody out? Is that the bigger problem? Admiral Kennel, start with you.
1: I don't believe that it's a messaging problem. I believe it is. It is. It is. Is it a leadership problem? It's a leadership problem. It is just straight up a leadership problem. You know, one of the things that that I've watched consistently has been Trump's um, poll numbers with regard to his credibility. They've been on the decline since the day he took office. And the fact that he continues to do damage to his credibility by making one comment and having his folks go out and say something else and then him changing it only only further diminishes his his credibility. I think it's a leadership problem. I think, as I said before— I think the president is, is, has got his mind wrapped around doing things a certain way. I don't believe that he truly understands how the government works. Um, I think that, you know, it's interesting that, that we've talked about the fact that um, uh, he, the, the president made a comment about uh, the fact that the Russia thing had something to do with it. Well, I think a lot of people have forgotten, at least it appears from from most of the newscasts, that the whole Russia investigation thing emanated from a tweet. That he made about President Obama that we know is categorically untrue, um, and this just
3: this just goes. But to, that, that seems to be putting too fine a point on it, Admiral Ken the, the suggestion that had Trump never put out the Obama tap my phones tweet, we're not in this situation. I, what I'm saying is, no. So, it, so no, I didn't,
1: I, I didn't say that. What I'm saying that what I'm saying is that the uh, the tweets that, that that the president has made time and time again. Have, have have always had a a a, a issue with uh, with with uh, with accuracy, and when they get when the onion gets peeled and it and usually there's a good minimum, a good number of Republicans or I'm sorry, reporters that are peeling that onion back, um, you'll find that there's no truth in it and it goes to diminish
3: credibility, and I think that's this is this is a leadership problem. Dan Littner, does this go away if? Tra- Does this even happen? Are we in this situation today if Trump doesn't have his Twitter account? Uh,
5: The short answer is no, but also the whole cleaning house thing, that's not going to go away unless you also clean house with the guy who sleeps in the Lincoln bedroom. The fact of the matter is there aren't enough Trump relatives to fill those jobs if he decides to clean house, (laughs) if who's in them at the moment. And this communication shop isn't the greatest in the first place. While they may have been well-regarded prior to their White House service, they clearly aren't the best. I'm not convinced they could pull off a messaging strategy to explain the shape of the Oval Office consistently amongst all, all players in the White House. So there's too many things at play here, but it's not just communications.
2: Alan Moore? Before you fire people for failure... You have to give them a chance to succeed. They have not had a fair chance to succeed because dealing with a president who's narcissistic, um, a know-it-all, uh, undisciplined, uh, and and inexperienced. And he refuses to believe that about himself, refuses to learn, so that almost by, by definition, he's going to be undercutting all the people around him. He furthermore has this problem of... Of checking with old friends. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? People feed him information independently. There's not a structure. It's not that Reince Priebus doesn't want a structure. The president won't give him, won't buy into, okay, you be the doorkeeper. Let's figure this out. And I want to have access to a lot of people, but we need to do it in a disciplined way. I'm not just going to pick up my phone and call people. I'm not going to just read stuff that comes over the transom from staff, and I'm not going to use my Twitter account unless everything is said as vetted. That's the kind of stuff that's needed. You can't blame that on staff. The president is not yet a believer in the need to do that, and until he is, you you, it's not fair to blame the staff. Replace the staff with with whom, as Dan says, it's not you know, it's not so much family members, but who out there wants to come in and get into a situation where you're basically doomed to fail with the mindset of the president as it is today. Admiral Ken. In, in preparing a
1: principal for um, a major event um, like a news, news briefing or a speech, um, there's a tremendous amount of time and effort on the part of the staff to, one, um, make sure that all the facts that the principal needs are, are at the principal's fingertips that they are they are um, prepared in a manner that he can digest it and be able to um, uh, talk about it in an intelligible manner this requires time requires focus on the part of the principal and the staff I believe that what you're seeing play out right now out of the White House is the fact that the staff is there President Trump's national security staff, McMaster and his team, sharp, sharp people. They're not stupid. They're not ignorant. They're not incompetent. But the person that they're trying to, uh, to help and support is basically putting his hand up and goes, no, no, I'm going to do several.
3: My way. I don't think anybody's questioning the, the, the professionalism or the qualifications of several of the cabinet members, particularly what we call the Fab Four that being McMaster, Tillerson, Kelly, and uh, Mattis. The, you know, when you look at the Fab Four, they are pretty much designed and have their holy cabal to try and stave off disaster. Are there are there others that, that you know, you look at Steve Mnuchin. You know, Steve Mnuchin is starting to prove, I think, that he can be very capable as a Treasury Secretary. Uh, there are others that we look at Betsy DeVos, eh, probably not the smartest move out there. Uh, And then, of course, the fact that they are still maybe another six, we could go a whole year without having a full slate of political appointees seated in key critical roles inside the administration. But it it does beg the fact, though, is, you know, which is going to happen first? Are we going to have a disaster of national significance in the White House, before we start seeing the president do what we would look at as a traditional administrative should and should, Alan Moore.
2: I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's why we have something called religion. <laughs> People can pray <laughs> <laughs> that we don't have a natural disaster. Um, but
3: no, I'm not talking – I mean, not a natural disaster. A
2: national disaster emanating from uh, something that this president does um, out of uh, ignorance, hubris, arrogance, um, the things of which uh, that that he suffers from. Um, We don't know. I mean, he's about to go to Saudi Arabia and meet with the heads of a number of Middle Eastern countries. Then he'll stop by Israel. Who knows what he will say or do that will blow up in his face? We 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 know that as ken says normally you got big meetings if you're going to go on a foreign trip you have a big fat briefing book and it's going to have chapters on the people guess what he doesn't have chapters no no he'll have it he just won't look at it chapters on the people chapters on the country chapters on the issues and he'll say yeah give me a page of talking points and including in these briefing books is not just background and, and a little history and current issues intelligent things issues. to talk about. There's also things to stay away from. And normally a president is able to compartmentalize. My guess is that what's going on now inside the, the White House and the intelligence community is that struggling with the question, can we tell the president everything we have historically told presidents or do we need to hold some stuff back? It's sort of like, do we want to tell Aunt Sally, about what so-and-so said last no. Thanksgiving. No! because she won't keep her mouth shut. But how do we, Don't tell her. How That's do what we I fear maintain, is going on.
3: But how do we, can, how do we
2: maintain our role
3: as one of the largest, most dominant global economies in the world? A global political power How do we maintain that with a coloring book presidency that we are literally about to send? I mean, it's not like we're sending him to Belgium or we're sending him to Australia. We're sending him to a powder keg in the Middle East, Saudi Arabia, and we're sending him to Israel, another powder keg. And, oh, by the way, he's going to go by the Vatican and go have an audience with the Pope.
1: Well, beyond prayer, beyond prayer, um, you have to also have a good amount of belief in the system. And what, what I mean by that is the, the amount of damage the president can do um, by missteps and blunders, as uh, bad as it may sound from the discussions that we've had today, it's, it's limited. It really is. I mean, you know, one of the things that I told I told a few Democratic friends when they were crying in their cereal the morning after the election was, look, you know, there's only so much power the President of the United States got.
3: Well, and but, we've also surprised
1: crazy before. That's exactly right. And so, but so, uh, you know, but I, I'm, I'm a big believer in the system. I think the system is designed. I think that I think that I think the, the the system is designed well. And the fact of the matter is, you know, at some point. He will have. But this is a president that doesn't believe in the system, though. But but, but, but you know, he may not. But at some point he will have a national crisis that he's got to deal with. And the system will make sure that the people that he needs to talk to are there. Now, the question will remain, will he talk to him? Will he listen to him? Don't know that. So the system will make sure that those people are there. And they will be there at his at his disposal. It, it works that way. It's supposed to work that way. At the end of the day, though, maybe maybe one day if you quit hitting your head Against the wall, maybe some you might stop beating it against the wall. Alan Moore.
2: Well, and and, and building on this notion of the, of the system, the you know the president as a single individual has more power than any other single individual, but he's dealing with a system that has checks and balances. Yeah. As we've as as we've seen twice now in executive orders relating to immigration, he's been shot down by the courts. I I I haven't I've been in this opposition. I didn't like the content of either one of the executive orders. But I also didn't like the the role that the courts took. It's the Supreme Court who's ultimately going to have to decide. But it's just an example of the constraints built into the system. He wants to spend money on some things, not spend money on other things. You know how you get money? You get it from the Congress. In one way or the other, He's got to go to the Congress to get money to do the things that he wants to do. He didn't get any money in this latest exercise for the wall. He did get some additional money for defense. He got there's some money for border security. He will have to negotiate. Republicans are not fearing him now. This is a this is a really important uh, uh, development of the you know of the last hundred and twenty five days. Where the, pres- the, 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 the members of Congress need him, and they don't want to turn their back on him, but they no longer fear him. What they fear is his uh, tendency to stumble into things that embarrass them as Republicans, that embarrass the country with our allies, and perhaps put us at risk. That causes them to be very nervous, very careful. You see what's going on in town meetings. The members are going out, and it's still- Filled with folks, many of whom are Democrats who would never normally come to a, a Republican meeting, yelling, screaming, taunting, embarrassing, threatening.
4: Um, well, there were no there lying. No, no, no.
3: I will tell you, there are several Republicans that have been in these town meetings in blood state, in blood red states like Oklahoma. You know, we saw uh, we saw the brilliance of one Mark Mullen, uh, who said, and said, "I you know." I pay my salary, you don't pay my salary, I'm a congressman, I'm doing this as a favor to you. Those were Republicans yelling at him.
2: There are Republicans in blood-red states that have issues like this. There are plenty. I mean, a lot of it is over health care. And, and it, it, it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat. If you have a sick child with a chronic illness and you couldn't get insurance and you, you, have, have, a, and, back. And you have insurance, wait, wait, and the if, irony if, if, is... That kind of kid gets taken care of, yes. but that's a different issue. You know, those can be Republicans. If we can, go, if we can take a step
3: back Hold on. Dan, Dan
5: Littner, go ahead. If you can just take one step back, just uh, sticking with the trip to the East, real quick, uh, there is one thing that caught me off guard. I'm wondering if Admiral Ken can chime in on this. The When Mc, when the National Security Advisor McMaster's briefed on the trip, which I thought was pretty uncommon i have no recollection of a national security advisor doing that kind of briefing but what was also noteworthy and somewhat surprising to me is mcmaster's gave the briefing in suit and tie not in uniform i'm wondering if that's a deliberate choice by him because as i understand it even when detailed to the white house he has a choice of attire and president trump likes the uh the, the, the men with brass on their shoulders were in full dress uniform. So I'm kind of curious if that's a subtle signal from him.
1: Uh, no, that, that's that's just normal uh, operating. Dan, when you're uh, a, a general or flag officer uh, serving in the civilian portion of the government, uh, you you wear a suit, uh, much like General Hayden when he ran CIA uh, took off the uniform and wore a suit the whole time he was running CIA.
3: Well, no, no. Well, in those two in those two examples, they they resign from their general officership and they take a civilian. I mean, McMaster is now a civilian. Yes. He maintains the title of general yeah. uh, as the you know as does any other civilian head of agency. For or instance, reporters. if you if, if Dan oh, yeah God, yeah Dan uh,
1: Secretary Secretary Clinton will always be Secretary Clinton. Uh, Dan, when you run for Congress, right. you'll be kind of
3: nobody. Let me answer it. I I, think I can answer So, number one, McMaster does not wear the uniform because he's not on active duty. He is a civilian now. Number two, it is a little surprising that the National Security Advisor would give the foreign trip briefing. That is something that is usually handled by State Department and State Department comms. If you recall, uh, Jen Psaki, when she was – the spokesperson over at Foggy Bottom, over at the State Department, for then Secretary Clinton, would give the foreign trip briefings for Obama out of Foggy Bottom. What happened today is, again, consistent with the administration of not giving a rat's ass about all of this, just throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what happens.
2: Well, let's also remember, I, I don't even think they have a spokesperson yet. And if they do, state, it's the
3: state department. It, it, it,
2: that, that too who is also <laughs> so who's, who's going to do it. Nobody's doing press so, briefing. There's only please. six people in the government that gonna, you you know, know anything about the foreign <laughs> affairs. So you, you say, how about and you? And two of them, them are related to, to the president.
3: So, that, that, so, well, the, let me ask you a question. If, in fact, you know, because for, for those of us who are just joining, there are rumors flying around. Uh, over the weekend, uh, was it the New York Times that or Politico that published a report that the the West Wing is in a little bit of a shakeup mode, that they're ready to start clearing house? Whether well, that's true or not, obviously, we'll wait to be seen. We can't tell what's going to happen with this administration. But it almost seems like, going back to your point, Ken, is there are not, not enough people with the last name of Trump. Uh, or Kushner that can fill all of the key sensitive roles around the president. It was actually Dan that said that. Oh, was that Dan? Yeah. I'm sorry, Dan. I did not give you props, Dan. That was a good one. But let me go back. Was that good? I liked it. So Dan, actually, I'll go to you.
5: I also have a I also have a fact check on this one. McMaster is actually still a lieutenant general. He has not resigned. He 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 is on special assignment. He is still a lieutenant general.
3: He is on special assignment on detail from the army. Yeah. I
2: thought that was. Well, a... serving in a civilian capacity. Think, takes, yeah, off it's the other yeah, takes off. Yeah.
3: My comment. Yeah. I think something. Oh. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Super. Thanks. Um. But anyway, Dan. Good call on it. Is this a situation where Kitchener Is this a situation where Kuchner, and the rest of the Trump family insiders, are the only ones that are truly going to be able to write this ship?
5: I mean, if they're the closest voices that can do anything resembling candor to the president, I mean, it's a horrible thing for the rest of the country that it boils down to what Ivanka's husband or can, can say to the president of the United States. Um, that's not a good thing, if that's what we're truly down to. And in which case, the appeal to Republicans in Congress, as well as the president's cabinet, to speak up and take their oaths to uh, God and country over the uh, oath of allegiance that the president may have requested seriously. Uh, if that's what we're down to, that's truly troubling.
2: Yeah, and let's, let's not think that we're down to that. It, it, it's, I mean, those are pretty darn people, close out. Well, I don't know where we are. I, I Maybe you know things I don't know, but. but um, you know, we have a vice president who apparently still enjoys the the president's confidence. You know, but Priebus, Bannon, the 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 comms people, we we don't know exactly how the president feels. They're all walking around on pins and needles. Then there's Gary Cohn, who's I mean, he 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 was running uh, Goldman Sachs. These there, there are some grown-ups nearby. Um, and Cohn and Jared Kushner, supposedly, uh, are talking constantly. Um, Ivanka Trump and Dina Powell, Deputy National Security Advisor, are very close, talking constantly. So they're not just solo operators, and they're trying to be loyal. They have some other assignments. It, it what, what this White House doesn't need, though, is a shakeup for the simple sake of shakeup because everything is a mess when you can pretty much designate most of the biggest problems falling at the feet of the president himself. He has to give people a chance to succeed. He has not been doing that. He undercuts them constantly. And and he's not going to, it is true, he's not going to clean house, so far as we can tell, of his daughter or son-in-law. But I think even he would realize, gee, I can't get rid of the top 15 people because who would be here? He could get rid of one or two or three. I don't see him cleaning house all in one fell swoop. I think he would realize if I'm going to replace Reince Priebus, I need to know who I'm going to replace him with and feel comfortable with that. But here's the other problem, though. Nobody wants to
3: work for this administration. I'm not saying
2: it's easy. That's my point, though. It's. I mean, even with with the, the Comey situation, there's a way to do these things if you feel a need to. You don't just say, right you're out," and then say, "Okay, now who are we going to get?"
3: So, I mean, does could could we foresee, for example, with the Comey situation, we have a situation where, unless you know, we've got Democrats now talking about, uh, unless you appoint a special prosecutor, you're not going to see an FBI director. <laughs> can the Trump? Can the administration one up them and say, you know what? I'll tell you what, deny a fair vote for your guy, Judge Merrick Garland, because I'm going to appoint him to be the Federal Bureau of Investigation's new director. Is that a possibility, well, Admiral
1: I think at this point almost anything's possible. Um, I do think, however, um, enough questionable decisions have been made by the White House to where the appointment of a special prosecutor or a special investigator is not beyond the pale. And it goes back to that comment that I made earlier, and that's about the fact that the president, by his own hand, uh, has really, really diminished his credibility. And the the until a good number of the things that are going on um, have got a chance to be aired and uh, aired um, aired aired
2: publicly, uh, I think there will be huge question marks that are going to be remaining.
4: Go ahead, Alan. Moore.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm intrigued with this with this that threat from the Democrats. But and you point out an example. Suppose it were Merrick Garland. I don't think it will be. I don't think he's interested. But who knows? Weird things happen. That would be a fascinating uh, nomination to observe for a short period of time. The fact of the matter is, they don't need any Democrats. They'd like to have Democrats that, that, that to 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 confirm a new FBI director. The history is that that. that that historically uh, FBI directors get get overwhelming uh, positive votes. That's the kind of vote that should be anticipated. If the Democrats, this could be another case of overplaying their hand. You have to do it our way or we're not going to do it. So they find a candidate that. Republicans, not even all. Fifty Republicans will support. They can lose two. Fifty Republicans will support. We'll play out the, the clock. They can debate. They can filibuster. We'll end up. We'll end the debate with, and, and we'll appoint him on a majority with with a, with a simple majority, as we did with with members of the cabinet. It can be done without Democrats. Do the Democrats really want to go down that road? And f- the irony is that a lot of Democrats would rather not have an independent council. Because if you have an independent counsel, it reduces the role of the bipartisan intelligence committees, particularly in the Senate. They, they want a big role in the investigation. If you create an independent counsel, you will significantly reduce the role Dan, of, the, of the Senate and House uh, committee investigation.
3: Dan Littner, what say you? I mean, are you hearing Democrats are going to start backing away from the push for an independent counsel or an independent prosecutor?
5: Well, the answer is not right now, because in part, the question is who the next FBI director is going to be. I mean, let's keep in mind some of the facts behind the firing of Comey was supposedly he had requested more funds for the Russia investigation on Trump, and the money laundering unit within the the Treasury Department has now begun sharing information with the FBI also related to the Trump-Russia investigation. So, depending on who is at the top of the FBI and whether or not those investigations are believed to con- allowed to continue going forward unfettered, then that might change the calculus. However, if that changes and the administration it looks as though it's continuing to meddle in the investigation, then it then it's a different ballgame. So, keeping the ball alive and talking about obstruction or or Trying to get a, a special prosecutor appointed is part of that math. That you can you can drop those ideas if you get an FBI director that you believe is follow investigations as the evidence leads. So you're, I don't think it's going to go away immediately until there's an FBI director that we know we can trust.
3: And Admiral Ken, you're shaking your head no. Why, Chuck sure. Schumer?
1: Chuck Schumer this Sunday basically said no new FBI director without an independent, uh, independent counsel. He said that. And here's as I can tell. Here's I can tell. Alan's right. The, 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 the Republicans in, in, uh, in the Senate and Congress don't need the Democrats right now. But the fact of the matter is Chuck Schumer is still, still the voice of, of the uh, of the Senate Democrats. He still swings a big bat. And, and that guy, the guy's got a got a, a dog. A, a, a,
4: Hunting dogs nose for microphone. Right. So, then, so it sounds like to me. Actually, wait,
5: wait. Let me let me refute that. What? Let me refute that one point if I could. We even though it's on a on a different issue, we did just see a floor vote in the Senate lost by the Republicans because three Republican senators broke. McCain, Graham, and Collins broke. Mike Pence was in the the president of the Senate's chair because it was believed he was going to be needed to break a tie. It was a surprise that the Republicans lost that vote. So these are also independent Republicans that could theoretically also break on issues on the FBI director. Collins, but, Graham, yeah, and and McCain okay. are are independent-minded Republicans, and there's no reason to believe they wouldn't continue to be on those kind on the issue of the next FBI
3: also, director. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but Dan Lipner, I mean, you also, I mean, if you take into account, there's an additional three and people like. Ben Stass, for example, and others inside inside the Republican Party in the Senate, that could also jump. I mean, we can see as many as six jumping ship on the party line. But then, I want to go
2: back to the original Wait, let's, point. Let's say that the Democrats are not guaranteed to vote in block either. No, they no, also that, that, have independents. I, I also want to say this,
3: is, is going back to your point, is does supporting an independent council – by the Democrats, does that in fact put the Democrats in an awkward position? And it could that could that backfire on them.
2: We don't know, but we but just because Chuck Schumer says we're going to oppose doesn't mean he's speaking for all forty eight <laughs> Democrats. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, that is true. They, they true. The, the Everybody's going to make their own calculus, and and if and if there's a nominee. That that a that a handful of Democrats really like. I mean, Merrick Garland is just an interesting example because they they've loved that guy for so long. Would there have been some Democrats? Right. Who would say, we okay, live with it.
3: Let's take. A, we're we're going to take, take a quick break. When we come back, Admiral Ken, you get the first thought. This is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics live from the National Press Club in the heart of your nation's capital, Washington D.C. We'll be back in two minutes. Stay with us.
0: This is Backroom Politics, live on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be back in a few minutes. Stay with us.
4: I saw you last night and got that all? I got that old feeling The moment that you danced by I felt a thrill And when you caught my eye My heart stood still Once again I seemed to feel that old yearning And I knew the spark of love was still there There'll be no new romance for me It's foolish to start For that old feeling Is still in my mind This is
0: Backroom Politics. We'll be back momentarily. Stay with us. Politics.
3: You know something, after 10 years of running this show, you'd figure out that the Fat Fingers would know which buttons to push for the right joiner music. This is Backroom Politics Live on Block Talk Radio, live from the National Press Club in the heart of your nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Joining me as they do every Tuesday, out on the left coast, live, live show. Anytime, guys. <laughs> live show. Showing pictures of the... Orange mascot at Syracuse. Uh, joining me as they do every Tuesday on the Left Coast, we have the man we know as Dan Littner Esquire, uh, and here in studio at the National Press Club, we got Admiral Ken Caroline and the Honorable Alan Moore. Continue our, our discussion here, uh, Dan Littner, Let me start with you on the on the West Coast. When we look, at, oh, I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. I got I got I got blazed out. Admiral Ken, you get the first shot. So, you're, you're, the, the, you're,
1: the, What's your thoughts? Closing, closing on uh, the, uh, the, the thought of what Congress is going to do. Um, I think that if these issues with um, credibility, um, missteps, and I'm sorry, no matter how you want to paint it, this, this deal with uh, releasing the intel to the Russians was a huge misstep. I think you're going to start to see more people acting like John McCain, um, and Lindsey Graham on the Republican side. So I think he's going he's, he's to very, very start losing his base inside of the he's, Senate and the Congress.
3: So that, that's actually a very interesting point. Let me follow up on that. Dan Lipner, is there a, almost a underlying numbness to or an underlying desire in the Democratic Party to have Mike Pence step up a little bit and get this ship right?
5: Well, Mike Pence is not exactly a, a, a leader of liberal and progressive thought. Let's be clear here. Um, however, the idea of a Mike Pence presidency, at least you know what you're getting, and you're getting a professional politician, and you're not getting things completely out of left field oh, lost. that make no sense to, to Democrat or Republican alike.
3: Alan Moore, let me go to you. Is is there a secret desire in Republican circles to have Mike Pence step up to the gate and get this thing right?
2: Well, I think there are plenty of Republicans who, if faced with a choice between Donald Trump and Mike Pence, would say, everything else equal, I'll take Pence. Donald Trump, however, happened to have been elected, and he is the president. He has a significant following, and I don't see... I don't see grounds for impeachment and we didn't mention that Larry Tribe the noted uh Harvard law professor did suggest that it was time to start thinking about impeachment all on the obstruction of justice relating to Russia he wrote a piece on the post um which doesn't you know doesn't generate uh, uh, a lot of interest and then there's the question of whether you would ever invoke the I think it's the 25th amendment that speaks to a president's ability to to carry out the office to competence the if if a a president just goes off the deep end psychologically or something or becomes incapacitated there are there are provisions nobody's expecting that if donald trump were to have a heart attack and god forbid by the God god forbid and and suddenly uh not not be with us there there are republicans who would say wow I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't wishing for that. But Mike Pence is a is is a more predictable, um, more disciplined, more experienced, more controlled individual. I got a
3: I got a I got to text. Hold on! I got I got I got I got to jump in on breaking news right now. New York Times is now reporting that apparently, a memo ha- held by James Comey says that Trump asked James Comey, then FBI director, to end. The Flynn investigation, which this is now a race to the bottom, Admiral Ken. I mean, what is going to be the subject that's going to tank this administration? If is it the disclosure of national secrets, or is it the obstruction of justice? It'll be obstruction of justice, and and, and here's why:
1: it's more provable, and you less you you you, you don't have as much um um. Long-term damage to the intelligence community if you do that. The fact of the matter is, you know, question. So one thing we haven't talked about was, was, was the hey, first, this is a big breaking one, news. One of the questions that we have, one of the things we haven't talked about today was the fact that the president mentioned um, that Comey had better hope without tapes of uh, of their conversations in the yeah. White Yeah. So the, if that doesn't harken back to the days of Watergate, I don't know what will. But if in fact, if in fact there is provable evidence that will link the president's decision to fire Comey. Uh, to him wanting to 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 stop uh, a legal investigation of someone who lied on their SF 153 uh, to get a security clearance, that's bad. That's very bad, and that's obstruction of justice. Well, but Dan Lipner,
3: here's what kills me: is you have a situation where any time I hear the terms obstruction of justice and the White House, I mean, intent, One of the one of the criteria you have to have for at least issuing an arrest warrant or bringing a case to a prosecutor is demonstrable intent. And that is almost impossible to prove when you're dealing with a White House. This White House seems to actually giving ammo for the intent to issue an arrest warrant for the president for obstruction of justice.
5: Well, not so much the uh, arrest warrant, but you just need probable cause to continue the investigation and to subpoena the the evidence that might be available and I believe the Senate committee has already said if there are tapes we want to hear them and has taken steps to make sure that there is no destruction of evidence which by the way in and of itself now that he has said that if there is evidence that these things existed and they are in any way compromised that is also a crime
3: does this- this puts the Republicans at least on the
2: Hill in a very awkward position.
4: Anymore.
2: I mean, the Rep- no, 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 the Republicans are already in an awkward position.
4: <laughs> <laughs> this
2: is like you're out of the desert and you're surrounded by giant cactus. There's another big giant cactus. Oh my god! Oh no! Oh wait! But
4: that's
2: one's bumping me here. That was over there. You're all—they're already surrounded. I, I, I want to see the story. I, I want to see what's going on. I. I, I, uh, you know, you're trying to figure stuff out. We don't have any information. Don't even have the story in front of us, or what's in this memo. What would the president have said to Jim Comey over over dinner? Would he have said so?
3: Which, by the way, apparently, when you're the FBI director, you just invite yourself over to dinner at the White House. Yes. Again, bad, bad communication strategy. Well, because everybody is. in DC knows you don't invite yourself.
2: You know, it's just everything defies logic, experience, and it, and you end up shaking your head at almost everything that is said. Right. And you tend to discount it, even if it's true. This is the problem with not being true. Truthful. So
3: this is according to a story published just now by Michael Schmidt of the New York Times, Dateline Washington. President Trump asked the FBI Director James B. Comey to shut down the federal investigation into Mr. Trump's former National Security Advisor Michael T. Flynn in an Oval Office meeting in February, according to a memo Mr. Comey wrote shortly after the meeting. Quote, I hope you can let this go, unquote, the President told Mr. Comey, according to the memo, the existence of Mr. Trump's request is the clearest evidence that the President has tried to directly influence the Justice Department in the FBI investigation into links between Mr. Trump's associates and Russia. That's is I mean right now it, it's almost like they can't get out of their way this Russia freight train could be uh, this could this could cause the president to resign for the second time and again in our, again, in our I made the comment
1: before this whole Russia thing started with that BS Saturday morning tweet about getting surveilled by the prior administration I mean I'm sorry Does he no, not, it, started it started before, before that. That. It
3: started
2: before that with Flynn. Yeah, I mean, that, cause cause there, the, the Flynn stuff, the Flynn stuff was, was real predated. Nah, you're right, you're right, you're I got surveilled. Yeah, but even I was just looking at the same story that the, the post Mike Schmitz, a guy that's, that's been breaking a lot of this stuff. I hope you can let this go. Now, is that an appropriate thing to say? Good God, no. It's different, though, and help me here, Ken, than saying I order you to halt. That investigation. Well, what I will tell you that is that in the Navy that I grew up in, mm-hmm. suggestion by a senior is a tantamount to an order. Mm-hmm. Right. And right. and and it's the kind of it's the kind of knowledge, have, the kind of thing that that a Donald Trump doesn't understand. Wouldn't even necessarily know. That isn't to I defend mean, his ignorance. No, but when it's he answers the question by saying how how stupid can you get to if you will order? yes. Yeah. And, and, and I know you'd like to keep your job. Yeah, but no, but this I mean this is
3: this is a you know, a few good men situation where you have Jack Nicholson up on the stand and Tom Cruise is cross-examining him and saying, you know, well, if people don't disobey you and you gave an order not to be harmed, why was he harmed? This is the exact same thing. If Donald Trump t- if if he tells you to, I hope you can let this go and nobody disobeys an order from Donald Trump, if you didn't say it well why would why would you not do it? Hmm. It's a bizarre situation. But one of the things I do want to point out here is uh and it 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 strikes me that uh and I want to go to um I want to go to Dan Littner out on the West Coast for this one. Legally, Dan, is is this something that almost begs independent prosecutor at this point? I mean, we are far enough down the road that there is a point of no return to that endeavor. I mean, that
5: question really lies on whether or not the FBI appears to continue to act independent of the White House. If the FBI continues, well, the FBI and the Justice Department, um, and we should... It's worth noting that Comey firing and Jeff Sessions' prior refusal of himself from all issues related to uh, the Trump investigation or the Clinton investigation already begs that question whether or not he already violated his own refusal. But as far as the FBI goes, it's unclear at the moment whether or not they're able to continue functioning independent of outside forces trying to quash the investigation. It seems relatively clear that Attorney General Sessions uh, is compromised. His deputy, a little less clear. While the memo was written, and everything we said, and as Alan confirmed, the uh, the threat to resign because he was blamed for the fire of Comey. So there's some independence there there still.
3: I mean, let's be honest about this, Dan. Is there anybody, in your legal opinion? that
4: can even handle
3: the space in DOJ with
5: the current leadership? I mean, that's part of the question. I mean, I don't know the, the, the hierarchy of the DOJ well enough to speak clearly to that, other than uh, the uh, Rosenstein, who seems has been a career prosecutor or a career uh, lawyer at, at Justice, who is well-regarded. uh the question is whether or not he can stand up to a president of the, a president of the United States. And that is not an easy thing. It, the president of the United States is an awesome position that it's not uncommon for people to cower under the weight of just the president's suggestion. So, he Director Comey seeming to push back against it is, is worth noting, especially since he's, he reduced it to writing and thus creating a paper trail of that interaction – Good for him for doing the right thing there and making sure the documentation exists and it exists in real time. That's good evidence.
2: Go ahead, Alan Warren. I'm laughing at, you know, that, that's, that's good work. Are you kidding me? You have a meeting like that. You're the a director of the FBI. You have a meeting and the president says, I hope you can let this go. First thing you do is go back and write that baby down. You get it in oh, the yeah. record. You get it into the file. You protect yourself and the integrity of your organization. Um, and now... We're hearing about it. Um, w- whether or not there's uh, an independent counsel, it's sh- it's looking more and more like one. Partly because it's going to be the the easiest way to get some of this stuff off the table. Ironically, many of the same people will be doing the investigation. If you have an independent counsel, it's not like they've got uh, you know a hundred uh, uh, staff. They'll have a they'll have a, <laughs> they'll have a big staff, but they'll mostly come from FBI, and, and they'll get guidance from uh, from from career professionals inside the government and former professionals. Um, it's not like there's something magic at, 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 at uh, having an independent counsel. The, the real question is whether between the House, the Senate, and the FBI, and the Department of Justice uh, uh, Criminal Division, that you could get all of this stuff done. I tend to think you can. We've had some really challenging problems with independent councils in the past, but we may have now gone beyond the, the ability to contain that, and it may be, and the real question is whether some Republicans are going to start saying, for your sakes, let's get an independent council and and well, move some of the stuff off. We don't want to keep fighting that
5: fight. But Tiffany Trump here's, is starting law school Hold at Georgetown. Maybe on. that's yeah, what she's yeah. angling for for her first job.
3: Okay, you know what? You're going in the corner for that one. Goodbye. Um, here's the problem with that. Now nah, you're back on the stand. Hold on. Here's the issue, though. just is a direction in general, and that is to keep separation from the AG, and the independence of the FBI. So when the deputy attorney general writes a recommendation to fire the FBI director, which is then signed off by the attorney general, which is then signed off by and effectively implemented by the president of the United States, you have a situation here where nobody in the justice department senior leadership can even come within 10 feet of this case because it will show possible obstruction or at least, cause ethical issues in the
2: investigation, if not the prosecution of any violations of the law. Well, you're, so you're, you have concluded that the deputy AG cannot play a role. I disagree with you on that. How? What do you mean? How he's the deputy attorney general. He's got a long history. He wrote a memo that said, here are the things that Mr. Comey did wrong. While At the he was-
3: request
2: of, from what our understanding is a request
3: from the Oval Office to the Attorney Absolutely. General, to and the Attorney General. The second the Attorney General recused himself is when the independence of the Attorney General should have gone into effect. The second the White House
2: called and said, "Give me a reason to fire. Give me the, me the reasons inside the department," and he produced the memo. We've all, I, hopefully, everybody's read the memo.
3: I and have, and, it, and to me, it looks like one could construe that that was offered up at the directive of two people who should have recused themselves from this exact situation.
2: The deputy attorney general had no reason to recuse. This was his job. I, I think he, he, doesn't, he doesn't take the job and then walk away from it. No, but when, he, the, when he, the
3: attorney general who has recused himself <laughs> from this situation says, hey, just got a phone call from the cottage, you need to put this together, and the deputy attorney general says,
2: okay, I'll no, do that. No, the deputy was in the meeting. The deputy was at the White House with the attorney general at the meeting. He wrote with the two memo. people
3: who are, one, who's under investigation, and two, who had to recuse himself.
2: Who's under investigation? The,
3: that's yes. Trump. No, Trump. Trump is, the Trump administration Trump. and the Trump organization okay. was under so,
2: investigation. The president let me three clear. times he's not under investigation. Be careful of your language no, here. No, no, no. I'm no, no, i I'm with 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 yeah, no, guy no, under investigation. No, no, no. He's not let me, under let investigation. Let me rephrase. I so, agree. So, as far as we know, yeah. It, it, I, I'm not sure he's sleeping real well with that with that knowledge, or that he won't be under investigation. Especially now that we that, that that he's apparently said, I hope you can let this go. But I will tell you right now, I think we are
3: at a point right now where if we do not have an independent prosecutor, this is the only. That will make this administration whole And as somebody who has literally Said multiple times I wish nothing but success Even though I did not vote for Trump Even though I was a backer of Hillary Going into November On the day after elections, I said I will support He is the head of my party He is the duly elected leader of our country I will support him 100% until he screws up In order to make this administration whole again an independent prosecutor is the only way. An independent counsel is the only way to get this thing straight. Period. Eight minutes left in the show. What didn't we cover, Admiral Ken? Well, China
1: um, has not disappeared off the landscape. Uh, President, I think it's Xi, um, went out and made a, a heartfelt uh, um, Z. plea. Z, sorry, made a heartfelt plea for. Uh, Expanding free trade, and when you think about the the idiocracy of that, it's absolutely amazing.
4: Yeah.
2: Almore, what didn't we cover? Well, we didn't talk about North Korea, and we <laughs> continues to scare the bejesus out of many of us. And we didn't talk about this issue, um, which the president would like to be the main issue over all of the recent events uh, dealing with uh, with with Comey and the Russians. Did not talk about the leaks issue. Um, And it's not an irrelevant issue. It's not the main issue. But when you think about the the leaks that just take the Russian meeting, there were a handful of people in there. There were some of the people in there who felt immediately after the meeting that they had to contact the CIA and the NSA and say, "Uh uh-oh, the president... May have uh, the president got got a little outside the boundary here and made reference to a, the 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 city this this intelligence in right. the city where it came from, and the next thing you know, we're reading about it in the Washington Post and just about every other major news organization within an hour has so said gonna, we've confirmed you're going to
3: con- you're going to con- you you're,
2: you're going to charge somebody
3: inside that meeting for a violation of the National Security Act for reporting
2: the leak that the president violated the national security act. It's <laughs> my hunch is my hunch my hunch is the leak came from CIA or NSA. You so know, to the, be clear, the, the president the, did not violate the national security act. You
3: know, I understand. Okay, to be clear, yeah, yeah. He did yeah, not. Right. And, and nor am That's I correct. suggesting that the president has done anything criminal. It has not been fully investigated. However, the optics on this, no doubt. When you say I want to go get the people that leaked, and you're going after the people that leaked because they told
2: the intelligence community about something that you leaked,
3: the hypocrisy
2: in that just well, it's not hypocrisy. It's it's it, you go back and look at oh, the Obama administration, the Bush administration, the Clinton administration, and now obviously I'm a the the uh, the current administration. Leaks drive White Houses crazy. Hello, time to grow up. Leaks happen. You you that doesn't mean Oh, but this you one's like this them. one's a Titanic. I mean oh, this I'm one is a Titanic hitting the, the iceberg. That 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 we <laughs> didn't talk about the leak piece. The leak piece is not irrelevant. Yeah. And if there's no more rules See, and everybody's out okay. to protect themselves, um, it's it, it sort of Katie bar the door The White
4: House i don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, don't think they're hold, hold on,
2: hold
3: on I want to throw this out there If there are no major screw ups Between today and next week's show Remind me I would like to bring that up I'm anticipating that there will be a ton of screw ups Because we're letting presidents Out of the country for the first time I'm thinking we're going to have a bunch of stuff But I'm just hoping some of your members tell. See, the joke would have been funny if you had maintained coverage and not gone over the Golden Gate on the 101. Funny <laughs> boy. So, remind me next week. Uh, we'll that up. What also we did not cover? Oh, you know what we didn't cover? You know what we? I, I will tell you. One of the things that we, one of the major events that we did not cover. Scooch on in here. So, joining us in studio for the last couple of minutes. She is the woman that we now know as Mrs. Admiral Ken Carradine. Hello, Mrs. Carradine. How are you? I'm great. Congratulations to you and Ken on your wedding over the weekend. Are you Congratulations. Uh, Thanks, Dan. By the way, that's a microphone. You should probably scooch in a little bit. We (laughs) miss you, Dan. (laughs) Uh, How's married life treating you so far? So
4: far so good. We We are still on cloud
3: Caradine. And he hasn't missed you all? You, have, you guys have slept on the couch? Nope. No. Not yet?
2: No.
3: Give it time. It's only the first two we days. We finally
2: got our house to ourselves. All the house guests are gone. Oh, that's true.
3: That's true. Uh, Where'd would,
2: would you guys get married? Naval Academy Chapel. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yes.
3: In the rainy day that we didn't even know it was raining.
2: Yeah. You made the sunshine. We did. Yep. For we six did. minutes. For six <laughs> minutes you did. I, w- I was there, but I have to
3: interview like I'm a moderator. So anyway. <laughs> How is his wedding life treating you? How does it feel to be the Mister Eileen? Uh, it's awesome, dream come true. Oh, that's she, she
1: truly is a dream girl, and uh, I'm glad you were there. Glad all of our friends and family were there. It was it was a blast. Well, that's good. Well,
3: we wish you 100 years of happiness Thank in the you. home, 100 years of peace for you guys. Thank you. Hope you guys have a great great time together. We 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 love you guys here. Obviously, uh, you guys are definitely part of the background politics family. But with that, Dan Lipner, what didn't we cover? Dan Littner, you know what, I'm, I'm going to, Dan Littner, say goodbye, Dan. Oh, there you. go. Dan. Dan. Quickly. Dan. Okay, you're done. Uh, on behalf of Dan Littner out in San Francisco, here in studio, Admiral Ken Carradine, the Honorable Alan Moore, I'm your moderator, Justin Russell. This has been the best political talk show you've never heard of, Backroom Politics Live from the National Press Club on Blog Talk Radio, one block away from your White House in the heart of your nation's capital, Washington, D.C. We will be back next Tuesday live from the National Press Club. Uh, We will be back. uh, Hopefully all four of us will be in studio. That would be nice. Uh, But you can also follow us on our Twitter feed, at Backroom Politics. You can follow us with uh, our partners at Sidewire. Go to Sidewire.com or download the app in the Apple iTunes store, or the Google Play Store. And you can also email your concerns, comments, and just general bitch and gripes to justin at backroompolitics.org. Have a great week, America. Enjoy the view. It's a lot of fun. Have a great week, America. Bye-bye.